Hey everybody, what's up? I hope you're doing great and having a wonderful day. I hope you are feeling God's presence and worship and, and that he's speaking to you in incredible ways. For those of you watching online, welcome. You are part of us. We know you're watching on a screen somewhere, but I hope you feel God's presence as well. We are in part three of a series that we launched with the grand opening of our new building. And so I'm so excited because we've been talking about the aspects of identity. You know, every single one of us, we want to understand our identity, who we are, what we're called to be. And the reality is, is we get to choose our identity. Have you recognized that? We get to choose who we're going to be and implement those things in our life. And so in week one, I talked about the aspect that we get to have purpose. You know, we want purpose in our life. We want to have something that's bigger than ourselves. And the way that we can do that is following after the Lord. Then last week I talked about surrender, how we can actually choose to have an identity of surrender instead of control. Because so often we're trying to control our life and situation and circumstances. When we do that, we're actually pulling that out of God's hands. But we need to be a, a type of person that surrenders. And so that's so important for us in our life. And so if we understand that our choices get to determine where we'll be tomorrow, then I would say in our identity, we also be, have to be able to make those good choices. You know, so we get to choose our identity. So those choices that we make establish our tomorrow, right? We get that, no doubt. Our destiny, our future, the direction that we're headed. So what if we learned how to choose correctly? And so what I want to do as part of identity is actually talk about discipline. That we could have the discipline to make the right choices in our life and that God might use us in a powerful way. But what I want to do first is I just want to pause and pray that the Lord might speak through his Holy Spirit, through his word, and also pray for health. I know there's a lot of people that are dealing with health and sickness and pandemic and COVID. And, and so we just want to pray uh, for those, uh, those of us that know people that are sick and, and have issues and friends and family. And so let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your presence here in this place. Lord, would you speak? Would you allow your Holy Spirit to come and be in this place that, we, that you would be glorified, that you would be lifted up? But Lord, right now, we, we want to hear from you. And so God, as we dive into your word, into your scripture, would you communicate to us what we need, what, what we're after, Lord, what you have for us. And so God, we, we just want to turn our ear towards you and listen to what you have for us. And Father, we do ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that there would be healing uh, in our friends and family members that are sick that have, have the COVID or other viruses or other issues and problems. Lord, we lift them up to you. Jesus, thank you that you're our healer and you're our restorer. And we continue to look to you as the answer and solution. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where I'll be uh, preaching out of the majority of my text. The verses will come in just a minute. I have some others in Romans that I want to start off in just a minute. But here's the deal. You know, I'm talking about identity. I'm talking about discipline. And so discipline is not a fun word. You know what I'm saying? As I was kind of praying, God, what do you have for us? God, there's new building, new series. I'm so excited. I love purpose. And, and you know, in week one, and, and as you kind of lay that out, it, it was just identity and discipline. And I kind of went, oh. You know what I'm talking about? Like, who wants to talk about discipline. Like that's just a negative word in our life. It's challenging. We, we just, you, all of a sudden we think discipline, we think smaller. We're going, oh, I've got to put boundaries in my life and I have to limit my fun and stuff like that. But here's the deal. You know, we want to be able to do whatever we want. 
don't we? We want to just do and, and, and do it carefree and not care, but we can't live like that. And so what we have to understand with our identity being in discipline, that we have to have the ability to choose what we want now versus what we want most. Have you ever thought about that? What do you want most? Uh, but so when you talk about discipline, you know, we, we get discipline. Uh, I don't know what it was like for you as a kid, but if you're a parent, there's, there's probably probability that you discipline your kids. I know for me, when, when I was, you know, a kid, uh, I grew up, I'm going to go a little bit old school. I hope that's okay. Uh, old school. So I grew up and my, my parents spanked me. You know, I got, I got just straight up spankings. So for me, I was an active kid and, and I did stuff wrong. And, and, and so as, as a little kid, you know, you kind of get little spankings. But then as you get a little bit older, you get bigger spankings and they hurt. Like they get you good. And, and so, but so as, as I was growing, I, I, it was like I did more wrong things. And so I was getting more spankings as I was older. You would think I would learn. But, but I also was maturing a little bit and I got a little bit smart. Because you, you know the wind up? So we would get spankings and like open hand, like you, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you see the wind up, it's happening, it's coming. And so I would just kind of wait for it. I would have my hands at my side and I would wait for the wind up to come and I would go bam and then it would just be like a clap on my hands and then you run. Like you run, like you, you got one shot, mom, and I'm out. Like you're not getting another chance. It's the clap and poof, like you're gone. So that's just like we get it. So we get and understand that discipline is part of being a child and, and parenting, and we understand that. But it's also, we're aware that discipline is part of being a disciple. Uh, so we get the root word of discipline and disciple. And so what that is, is we are a disciple of Christ when we choose him. So where our identity can be in him. And so we receive salvation, we receive Christ, and he does amazing things in our life. And we love that. It's so powerful. Because then, upon salvation, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's, we love that. But then as a result of that in our life, what happens? We now model our life after Jesus, and we have to live a life that's disciplined. So our identity is in him, but we live in discipline. And so, I mean, let, let's be honest. You know, it, it, when you talk about discipline, it's not so much fun, but it's so rewarding it's so fulfilling, and I would even say that it's better. It's better to have discipline in our life. And so even with a life centered on Christ, you know, it just, we get the reality that our life is not gonna be perfect. Uh, I, I hope that you understand that. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, like we get it. Even though we're passionate about Jesus, it's not gonna be perfect. In fact, there are even times that we're going to experience some pain, some struggle, and so when I was writing this message and I was praying, I was like, God, I'm going to talk about identity and that's amazing. Oh, and I have to talk about discipline and pain. And so if you're new to Grace Church, like we're talking about discipline and pain in week three of our identity series. And like, I'm so glad you're here. Like, aren't you glad you're here? Like discipline and pain. We, we love to be, what's up? Yeah. So we, like, we don't want to be reminded of our pain though. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Some of you right now, you're going through a season of pain, an issue and a problem of pain. Maybe you got betrayed by a friend. 
Maybe it was a coworker or somebody close to you. They said some things behind your back and it's like they stabbed you and, it, and it's terrible. It's awful. You feel that betrayal. That's pain that we experience. You know, and that was obviously something that was intentional that somebody did to us. But then there's also aspects where we'll experience pain that's accidental. It, like we experience accidents all the time. Tra- sometimes they're tragic. Sometimes they're horrible. But sometimes it's just an accident. But we deal with the pain that we feel in that problem and, and that, that we face. And so some pain is in our control and some pain, quite honestly, is out of our control. And so we have to recognize that. So I just, the reason I wanted to talk a little bit about discipline and pain is because in our identity and having discipline, sometimes we can have pain now or we can have pain later. And so we actually get to choose the type of pain that we're gonna experience. Let me just give you some simple, simple examples. Let's just talk about uh, finances. So if you say, hey, I, I wanna live within my means now, and you kind of lower your spending, you get a budget, you live within your means now, what that does is that eliminates the pain of having a mountain of debt later. So you live within your means, and that, that's discipline. That's putting up boundaries and guidelines. So we don't deal with a mountain of debt later. Or, or, or maybe you're a student, and so you, you know, school started, semester started, so maybe you have to deal with the pain of studying now so that you don't deal with the pain of bad grades later. And all the moms and dad like elbows their teenagers and college students right next to them. And, and so what it is really is we're choosing the pain. Do we choose this type of pain now or choose that regret that brings pain in our life later? And so I'm gonna be using a couple of different verses. Like I said, I'm gonna start in Romans 7 and then go to 1 Corinthians 9. But the author of both of these books is the same. It's the Apostle Paul. So if you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, he was a rock star for Jesus and he planted churches. He had this miraculous conversion experience where he actually was persecuting Christians for a period of time and having them killed. Then God you know, brings uh, this incredible moment in his life where he changes and then he's so passionate after Jesus has a result. And so God used him to plant churches throughout the entire region of Israel and Western Europe and did these missionary journeys, incredible things. So what he would do is he would plant churches and then go on and do other things and write letters back to those churches. So he was part of the, you know, the, the Christian church getting established in Rome. And so that's where we get the letter to the Romans. So I just wanna start in Romans chapter seven, verse 15 and a few different verses following. And this is what he says, he says, hey, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God that the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so when you read these verses, you see like he's ashamed at first. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I live this life. I can't believe that I'm doing this right now. And and so it's not that things are getting better out of our own willpower, our own desire and, and want to. It's only because of Jesus. So he says very clearly, the answer is Jesus 
in our life and the things we want and desire. And so, because the reality hits us that we are actually prone to choose poorly. Have you noticed that? We will purposefully choose things that are bad for us. We know they're bad, but we do it anyway. And so that's why Paul is saying, hey, it's only in Christ and having our identity in him that we can adopt this lifestyle of discipline to follow him and pursue after him, to set up these guidelines and boundaries so that later we don't have those regrets and pains that we feel. Now, I want to get into 1 Corinthians 9, and this is my main text. And so I wanted to set it up a little bit, though, because this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. You know, if, if you've been in the church for a little while, there's this thing that, that we call life verses. And, and so you're like, you're cool if you got a life verse, you know. And so when you're talking to other Christians and groups and stuff, and so if you don't have one, like, you can adopt one. You can take this one as yours. And, and so I'm so cool that I have three life verses. And, and so I just, like, this is one of my favorites. And so the reason I, I'm going to talk about this is because this grips me so deeply. And so I want to talk about just some very raw, real things in my life in this message. But here's the deal. If you're new to Grace Church, one of the things that we did in starting, you know, our church and really getting into this building is we wanted to be a church that's founded on God's word and the, and the truth about scripture and what he communicates in his word. So in the spring, when, when, when we had laid the foundation, we did a groundbreaking ceremony. And then as the walls were getting put up, they put all the studs up. And so this building is full of metal studs. And so what we did is we had a scripture writing service where we had people come in and they wrote scripture on all the studs. Now there's four, four gazillion studs throughout this whole building. And so I'm not kidding you, there's probably 90% of them that have some type of scripture that was written on them. So we had little kids, they were writing, you know, things in their verses. They were drawing pictures of dinosaurs and rockets, and it was so powerful. And then we had just people just, you know, throughout the whole building writing verses and praying over this entire building in preparation for you for you being here in this seat, in this sanctuary, for our community and what God wants to do in and through us. And so the reason I tell you all that is because 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 that we're gonna dive into, that's my life verse and I wrote it right over here on this doorpost. You can't see it now, it's covered up, but that's my verse and you'll understand why when I get to the end of this message, why that's so important to me and I hope that you can grab a hold of this and that it just might be important to you as well. So the first thing that we've got to grab a hold of in these verses is that discipline leads us to victory. And so Paul begins to write, and he's talking to the Corinthian church and to, I believe, us today, where he says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. You know, if you've ever done a race or 5K or whatever, you, you know at the end of the race, you know, they, they pull that banner across and the person that wins, they're the only ones that get to break the banner. The rest of us that come in after or way after, you know, there's no banner for us. So what he's saying, he's, he's making an analogy regarding sports and races. Like, hey, if you're gonna run and deal with the misery of running, you might as well run to win. You might as well do that and go passionate after him. And he continues in verse 25. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. 
And so obviously the, the Olympics just wrapped up and got done. And so when you talk about medals of gold and silver and bronze and doing things for your country and, and, and winning, and you know, they keep track of all the medal scores and who, who won what and what country. And you know, this is the first person to win a medal for their country in this, this event. I mean, that, that, that's a big deal and that's amazing. But the, man, that analogy is so applicable to this passage. I mean, you and I, we try and win a medal, a participation trophy, whatever sport or event or, you know, performance that you did, but it's just something that will pass away. It's something that ends up in a drawer, it ends up in a box, or we even throw it away when we move again. We just don't need it anymore and we let go of it. And so Paul is saying, man, don't go after that physical thing, but there is eternity at stake. There's an eternal prize that we've got to have and chase after. And so there's several questions in this message that I wanna ask you. The first one is, what's your perspective on life? What is it that you're chasing after? Are you chasing after a reward, after money, after some type of prize? Or are you chasing after something that you would say is more eternal and more godly and focused on his kingdom? Because so often, if we're honest, we're just trying to get by. You know what I'm talking about? We're just trying to get through today. We're just trying to get through this weekend. We're just trying to get through our work week. We're just trying to close this deal. And it's like, man, there are, there are bigger things at stake. You know, do I believe we should live with a purpose? Absolutely, no doubt. But we have to have intentionality and understanding the eternal perspective that God has going on. So what's your perspective in your life right now? And so just kind of a simple example, you know, when, when we talk about work, you know, what's your perspective with your work? I mean, many of us probably work, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or, or dad or stay-at-home parent, maybe, you, maybe you're between jobs right now or you're, you're, you're unable to work, but I mean, most of us, we understand work and we understand labor. So what's your attitude towards the job that you have right now? Are you just working to get a paycheck? Are you just working to get by or, or are you working, as scripture says, as unto the Lord? Because that's a different perspective. And here's the deal, as a, as a pastor, as a leader in the community, I know we have business owners that have employees. We know when an employee is only working for the paycheck. We know that, we can see it, it's evident. But when somebody kind of takes their job and, and grabs a hold of it and it's like, no, there's something bigger, there's something important going on, we can see it. And so in your job right now, what's reflected in how you're doing that? You know, and then gosh, to, to, just to talk about church, what were your expectations when you came to church? You know, maybe you're watching online, like what are you thinking it was going to happen? What were you looking for? You know, for some of us, sometimes we go, well, you know, I just, I wanna, I wanna try it out and see what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm not really close with God, but I wanna see what's, you know, what he might do. And, and I just would say, as the pastor of this church, we are absolutely praying and believing that you would have an encounter with God, that you would experience the power of the Holy Spirit and that it would transform you in your life. Like that's what we're going after. It's big and it's lofty, it's audacious, but I feel like that's what God has for us. You know, so that's what church is to us. So when we live a Christ-centered life, I just feel like, it changes us. It changes our perspective. It changes who we are. And I would say coming to church, like being part of a life-giving church, that will change your life. 
Instead of you focused on all these other things and issues and problems, we get to turn our worship and focus on the Lord and get connected in a, in a community of believers, a community of people. And then what we do is we serve our community. We show the radical love of Jesus in practical ways. We serve each other. Scripture t- tells us that we can serve each other as part of the body of Christ, as family. And so that's who we are. And so what's your perspective with work and church and, and life and So here's why I set all of that up, because what I'm about to tell you in the rest of this message, it will change your life. Now, I I know that that's really bold for me to to have the audacity to stand up here and say, this is going to change your life. But here's the deal. It can, and it will if you let it. So I need you to lean in a little bit. I'm gonna go deep and I'm gonna go raw and I need you to grab a hold of what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. And so if you were to look at your life right now and you were to say, this is what I want most. What is it that you want most of all? If you could have anything, if you could move towards anything, if you could aspire anything right now, what would it be? Like just be honest with you and who you are and do me a favor, Uh, don't say win the lottery, like I get it, I wanna win the lottery too. Uh, Maybe if you do, we can split it. Um, But don't don't say like buy a bow, and and I get that too. Um, But I'm, I'm talking about something deep and meaningful, significant for you in your life. What do you want most? And so for some of you, you might say for yourself, like I'm in church right now because I know I need God. Like I've got to get closer to God. Maybe you're a parent or grandparent and you're going, Our family needs Jesus. I want my kids and my grandkids to have Jesus. That's why we're here. Maybe maybe you look at your life, maybe the first thing that hit you is just kind of a physical thing. You know, Paul is writing about athletes and and being disciplined. Maybe you go, I want to get in shape. And and, and that's something important to you. Maybe you you look at finances and you go, I'm tired of being in debt. I want to get out of debt. I want to pay those things. Maybe you, you, you look at your marriage. Maybe things aren't so great in your marriage right now. So you say, I want to have a healthy marriage. The thing I want most is to have a healthy relationship with my spouse. And so what I want you to do, if you would humor me in just for this moment, could you pull out your phone, your mobile device, just go ahead and pull it out. And I want you to text your best friend, the person that you know, that you love. Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad, maybe it's your best friend, your college roommate, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's the person sitting right next to you. I don't know. I want you to text them that one thing that you just said, that you're gonna choose to do that now. I want you to write it out. What is it that you want to achieve most of all? And so we're talking about identity. We're talking about discipline. And so if I were to ask you, you just laid it on the line. You put it out there, what you want to accomplish. If I were to say, so what is it that you need to do? What's the first step to get there? You already know. Like, you guys are smart, you're capable, you're knowledgeable. If I said, in order to get that, what are you going to do first? And you would say, well, here it is. And you would be able to lay it out. And so here's the difference. Now, we know what it is. But now we're going to add discipline to the desire to get that thing we want most. Discipline added to the desire. (laughs) Points us in the right direction and gets us there. 
So let me just kind of dive in a little bit to some of those examples that I gave. Maybe you said, hey, I want to get closer to God, right? That's great. I would say you need to come to church more often than once in a while. Like you've got to integrate yourself into the life of Grace Church. You need to sign up for a connection group. You need to get on a team and begin serving. Like that's how this works. And so you've got to do that. Maybe, you know, that, that get in shape thing I threw out there, you're going, man, that's, that's me. So I would say maybe you need to join a gym and don't just pay them for being a member of the gym, but pay them to be going to their gym. And you actually attend and you go in and you check in. Maybe you need to stop smoking pot or stop smoking cigarettes and, and you make those changes in your life. Maybe I, I mentioned marriage and you go, yes, that's it, that's what I needed, that's what I wanted. And, and so I would, let me just share just kind of openly, men, husbands, like the, the first thing that we might need to do is just listen. Like, just, and bro, I get it. I'm like, I have to work on this. Don't fix, just listen to her. Okay, ladies, uh, wives, you know, make your husband a priority. He longs for that. He desires for that in, in your relationship. So make him, put him above everything else. That's incredible. Maybe you just need to plan a date night. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. I don't know, but do that. If your marriage right now is at a place where you're going, yeah, that's great for you to say, but we're worse off than that. Like it's harder right now than just that. I wanna encourage you to get counseling. You know, when, when we make a commitment, we exchange vows, like we have to be, be willing to invest in that relationship. And so here at Grace Church, we have counselors that we refer people to because we need it. You know, we need that type of connection with somebody that can speak to us in our life. And so maybe it's finances, maybe just getting out of debt. And, and so we just, we've gotta pay off the credit cards. We've gotta pay off the student loans. We've gotta get on a budget. And see, I list all that stuff out and we go, yeah, that's super easy for you to say, but that's all so hard. I've tried to do it and it doesn't work. Here's the deal. Yes, it's hard. It's difficult. And it takes discipline. But I would say very clearly, you get to choose the pain that you're going to experience with that particular thing. You can choose the pain of discipline or end up choosing the pain of regret later because you're not applying the things that you know you ought to. And so what is it that you want most? What is it that you need to know and do now? Because discipline leads us to victory. The second thing that discipline does is it keeps us focused. And Paul continues with this analogy of running. He says, so I run with purpose. In every step, I'm not just shadow boxing. And so discipline helps us accomplish our purposes. And so people will, you know, I'll talk about purpose or, you know, discipline and, you know, in church and, and people, they look at me and they go, yeah, that's great for you, Pastor Aaron. You probably got it so easy. You probably got it all figured out. I got news for you. No, I don't. I don't have it figured out. Sometimes I am not aware of what's going on. I'm not sure what to do. And I need discipline in my life because I, I wanna buy dirt bikes. I wanna buy a boat. I wanna have seconds at dinner every single night. I wanna eat ice cream three times a day. Like, come on, ice cream people, where are you at? Like one time a day ain't enough. Three times a day, forget about one day a week. No way, three times a day. I mean, and, and to be totally honest, I mean, I love my Bible. I'll tell my sons, like, I love reading scripture. God speaks to me through it. But there's times I don't want to read the Bible. I just, I'm, I get too busy and I push it aside. There's times I don't want to be with my wife. 
I wanna be somewhere else where she's not. And so I have to admit my weaknesses. And when I do that, it reveals my need for discipline. And so I choose discipline. I would rather choose the pain of discipline now than the pain that the regret brings later. Because maybe you're just amazing and a superhero, but I'm not strong enough to do that stuff. I just, I'm not. And so the thing that's incredible is when we turn our life over to Christ, he doesn't say, I need you to be strong. He actually says the opposite. He says, I am revealed and my strength is revealed in your weakness. And so the whole life of surrender is actually part of God's heart, our pursuit after him, because God's power is revealed in our weakness. There's even a, a verse that says, you know, when, when I become less and less, then Christ becomes more and more. It's something John the Baptist said. So when we're weak, he becomes strong in our life. And so I need accountability. I need discipline. I need structure. Because it's so easy to compromise, isn't it? Like it's so easy to just let little things in. You know, one of the things we do as a family is we try and eat healthy, we try and eat right. When all these diets come up, we try them, you know, keto and Whole30 and Whole60 and 90 and whatever. You know, we, like we try them and they're, and they're fun and they're cool and stuff. And, but the whole idea of, di of dieting, there's something that is very funny to me. I hope that you get my humor in this. It's the whole cheat day. Like, are you, are you familiar, those of you, like cheat day? So cheat day actually starts with maybe a cheat meal. And then you go, you know what? I, I deserve a cheat day. And then cheat day turns into cheat weekend. And then, and then cheat weekend turns into, well, you know, I'll die on Mondays. And so, like, it, you just, like, you, it, it's this rationalizing. It's this slow drift away from that. But the thing, the reality is, where, what happens is we end up in a place that we probably didn't want to be at to begin with. We wanted to be way over here, but we've allowed ourselves to slide and then we find ourselves in a, play, a place where we don't wanna be, we don't like it. And so even just the understanding of dieting, like it takes discipline. And so we have to be able to say no and decide what we want now versus what we want most. And oftentimes the thing we want most comes later as a result of a lifestyle of discipline. And so those examples are, are very real and I get it and I appreciate you laughing. And I, I, but let me put a spiritual spin on that because for us, we're after spiritual transformation. So if you have certain sins in your life and you would look at them and you would say, they're small. You know what I'm talking about, the little sins that we go, ah, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's something small over here. But what happens is the small sins, when done repeatedly over a period of time, we develop a little bit of callousness to them. And then they become a little bit bigger and we get a little bit more comfortable with that lifestyle of sin in our life. And then we find ourselves in this place way over here. And so if you're a follower of Christ, what we do though is we choose discipline. We choose to implement this in our life. And so we have to recognize that the choices that we make establish our identity. Everything that we choose, it will establish our identity. And so we get to choose discipline as part of our lifestyle. Now, 
I have to do this. Um, to be very open and honest, you know, I have to be very, very careful about the sexual temptations that I allow in my life, that I have, that I experience, because I'm a man. And, and like men generally are visually stimulated. So I have to be very, very careful and cautious what I allow in my life, how, what am I exposed to? I have to guard my eyes. I have to shield my mind, protect my thoughts. And so I have covenant eyes, you know, on my mobile devices where it's, the, it's some guardrails in my life that help me to avoid those situations and circumstances. And so it helps me. And so those are great. Those are practically practical. But you know why I have that? Because in my life, I want to honor God. That's my desire. Ultimately, what's best and what's most for me is to pursue after the Lord and the calling that he's put on my life, not only in this church, but in this church and how this church is used in the community. And so I have to do that in my life because I want to honor him. And then on top of that, I want to honor my wife and the covenant that I've made with her and the vows that we exchanged. And so I'm disciplined, but I'm weak and I struggle but it is only because of Christ in my life that I'm able to have that. And so the, the crux of all this is if we don't do this now, then we'll end up in a place of pain and regret later. Because I've had the opportunity to speak with people that they're a, little, they're a little bit more mature. They have a, a few years under their belt. They're a little bit older. And so many times, if, if we have a very raw conversation, almost always they'll say, you know what? There's this one particular thing that I wish I would have done differently. You know, there's this, this one thing that I could have done something about. Here I am, it's a little bit older. I, I could have done that a, a long time ago but I didn't. And so here's my encouragement to you, regardless of your age, demographic, where you're at, I don't even care, neither does God. He's, he wants you here and now. He wants you in this moment. So what if instead of recognizing, wow, I'm headed in this direction and it's gonna cause pain and regret later, so I'm choosing to have the pain of discipline now. You can have that right now. Do you understand that right now, not tomorrow, not this week, not later today, right now, it's the having the identity in Christ, choosing discipline, and avoiding the pain of regret that comes farther down the road. And so I love chocolate, I love sugar, I, I used to eat it all the time with no issues, no problem, but obesity and diabetes runs in my family. And so I can choose to eat it and consume it or I can have discipline in my life because I know the direction that I'd be heading if I had that in my life. And so it's discipline now or regret later. And so it's only because of Christ inside of us that we're able to do this. And if I could even go deeper than that, part of my motivation is fear. Like I, there, there's two different kinds of fear though. So I'm not talking about the fear that I'm afraid that that might happen to me. I'm talking about the fear that it talks about in the Bible where it says that you can have the fear of the Lord. And so what that is, is, you know, when, when you look at God, how do you see him? How do you view him? 
For me, I look at him as dad. I, I, I love to, to have the imagery of a king, like he's my king and I kneel before him and I worship him. And so like that's walking in the fear of him. It's this reverence, it's this awe and understanding about who he is. So part of my mo- motivation is this fear, not fear that it'll happen to me, but fear of the Lord because of who he is. So that's the third thing I wanna share with you is that discipline helps us to walk in the fear of the Lord. And here's why in verse 27, Paul continues writing. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be, everybody say this word with me, disqualified. I do this. I live this way. I have discipline in my life because I walk in the fear of the Lord because if I don't, and I travel down that path, I get disqualified in my life. If there are certain things that I do and experience and am involved with, I get disqualified from the race that God has called me to run. I don't wanna be disqualified. That means I don't even get to cross the finish line. And so here's what I need you to grab a hold of. We don't have to be disqualified. Paul is laying that for for us that we need to understand that we can deal with the the pain of discipline now so we don't face the pain of regret later. So we're not disqualified. So let's walk in the fear of the Lord. Allow our identity to be saturated in him, centered on Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be disqualified. Like that's not my goal. I'm not starting up and signing for a 5K. Like, well, I think I'll quit halfway. Like, no, 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 I'm gonna train and work and run so that way I can finish. And so here's the amazing part of all this. I'm not preaching this whole message on pain and discipline because I, I want it to be all negative. And, but the reality is we've got to understand that we get forgiveness of our sins because of Christ. Because of who God is, we get redemption in our life. We get restored. We get made new. We can begin over. So that's why I say right now, right now is the opportunity where things can change and turn around. Because he's not heaping condemnation on you. He's giving you forgiveness and he's wiping the slate clean. Start over, fresh start, new beginning, right now. And that's incredible and that's amazing. He cares so much about you, he loves you so much. And he's saying to you right now, that stuff that was holding you back and holding you down, you can let it go. You can push it through and you can apply the discipline in your life and now let your identity be wrapped up in me. But here's why he says that, because we can't do it on our own. Let your identity be centered in Christ and watch what he might do in your life. And so for us here at Grace Church, this is, a, this is a milestone moment for some of you. Like today, right now, can be incredibly powerful for you in your life. So for us, we believe that, you know, this could kind of be sealed and, and made as a priority by taking communion together. So here at Grace Church, we believe that if you're a follower of Christ, you can take communion. And I'm gonna talk about the communion elements in just a moment, but if you came in and you would like to partake in communion as part of this service, if you would just slip your hand up because you don't have elements, our ushers would be happy to serve you and they'll bring those to you. If you're watching online, you can you know, grab a cracker or some water, some juice out of your fridge, whatever that looks like. But this is an incredible moment where we get to have communion with the Lord All the old is then gone and the new gets established. And that's amazing. That's so significant. So lean in even farther, dig in a little bit deeper because God's gonna do something powerful right now in your life. Because when Jesus was uh, with his disciples, 
This was on the night that he was to be betrayed. The day before that he was going to die, get tortured, crucified, and die. He knew he was going to die. He knew his purpose and why God brought him here. He knew why he was the Messiah. And so that he would lay his life down for us. So that we could have freedom. We could have liberty. We could have forgiveness. We could repent from our old ways and pursue after him with our identity. And so Jesus was with his disciples and they were partaking in the Passover meal together. And at the end of the Passover meal, he, he paused and he did something a little bit different than normal. He took the bread and he said, hey, this time is different because this bread is my body. This is my body that I'm gonna lay down for you. And so I'm sure they were kind of going, what? Like, what's the deal? What's going on? And so you and I get this amazing opportunity. We know who Jesus is. We know that he died and that he rose again. They didn't know that yet. They didn't know it till three days later. So when he says, this is my body, you and I get it and we can understand what we're consuming and what we're communing with with him. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup of my blood that you get the forgiveness of your sins for. And so maybe right now in your life, you know the sins that you need forgiveness of and, and cleansed and, and you know, we're ashamed of that. The list is far too long. And the thing that's incredible is Jesus saying, take my body, take my blood, and all of that is erased and gone and center your life on me and watch me pour out the Holy Spirit and do something amazing. So what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna pray over these elements that they would be powerful and strong in our life and that we would seal the deal with the Lord and what he has for us now in this moment. So pray with me. Dear God, we come before you and God, you're amazing. Thank you so much for your scripture. Uh, it truly comes alive to us. And so God, we just, we appreciate it so much, but God, we, we need you. Uh, we need you so badly. We recognize that. We can't do this on our own. So Jesus, right now, we, we fully acknowledge that we want you. We don't just recognize we need you, but we want you. So we surrender to you. We turn our life over to you. And Father, would you do this amazing thing where you bless these elements, this wafer and this juice. Lord, would you bless it with your presence, with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that it would transform us and who we are. Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice on the cross so that we could be restored and made new. And Father, I just pray blessings over us as we take communion together that you would do a new thing in our life, that we would honor you. In Jesus' name.